Hello, friends. Welcome to the first episode ever of Lean Into Trauma, where we can talk freely about the uncomfortable details that make us who we are today, because all of you is welcome here. My name is Shamber, and I'm really excited about starting up this podcast and getting to just talk through the icky stuff that we all like to avoid, right? Um, today's guest, I'm really excited, not because She's my first guest ever, but yes, that's exciting. But this person's really important to me. They've been super influential in my walk with the Lord, and they know me more probably than just about anyone on this planet. Give it up for Tamal Flory, my mom. Well, thank you for having me, Shamber. <laughs> what an honor it is to be here. Is this fun? It it's is. Too- <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird to talk to you kind of in a formal setting. I had to, okay. I can't go off on a rant with my mom. I have to lock in and stay to the questions. Focus, focus. Um, I want to make a habit of always asking my guests, what's been the highlight of your week? Oh, um, well, obviously the highlight of my week would also be the highlight of your week because um, this past Friday, Shamber and her new husband got married and had their wedding celebration, their reception. And so... We had guests over. It was an at-home celebration and very fun dancing, music, singing, food, and you are a no-fuss type of gal. So you made it, Chamber. You made it so easy. It, honestly, it was super fun. I think as a photographer that does weddings all the time, they all start to look the same, and they all get boring, and I always hate seeing guests just sitting there just ugh, and it's such a formal setting and so I knew for sure planning this with my husband Ramon that we didn't want to do something formal we want something really casual kind of like open house style we had pizza so don't judge us it was great because who doesn't love pizza it's easy it was so easy and um it was just yeah it was really fun honestly I think the highlight from that day for me was once we kind of got into like the party part of the night, the first song that we started off with was I Thank God, which I guess if anyone knows me, that's probably one of my go-to worship songs because not only I just love Maverick City, but that song I think really kind of breeds a freedom that you can jump and have fun with Jesus. That's right. Right? We can go to concerts and jump up and down and get excited about an artist, but why can't we do that about Jesus? Right. Right. Or at Ball ball Stadium, right? Oh, my word. Yeah, you scream till your throat is yes. sore. And it was beautiful, Shamber. You are very, I always say, you are the queen of color. Ah, yes, so, I love color. Yeah. I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> so I was super excited. I almost don't even know where to start because there's just so much to talk about. Um, I guess just kind of to get started, um, I want to jump right into your story because mm-hmm. I think you have a really cool story. I think it's so redemptive. It's so powerful. And your story has been used to inspire so many other people. Um, both myself and so many other people I know. So can you just jump right into like your childhood and kind of, yeah, walk us through what that was like. Okay. Um, I was whisked away from my birth father at about two months of age. My mother had to flee in the middle of the night. And um, I was taken by train out of state from Michigan to California And then at about two years of age, my mother met the man of her life and they were married and he adopted me. So I was raised by my birth mother and my adoptive father. Okay. Uh, Also in my story, something that was sad and uh, when I was young was that I was sexually assaulted by a couple family members, one of them, in fact, going to prison 
because of that sexual wow. assault. Yeah. Wow. Um, so definitely <clears throat> had a lot of fears yeah. about uh, fears in life in general, but also specific to relationship, definitely fears. And I would think that's probably where a fear of men really took root. Yeah, that ma that makes sense for sure. Um, that that mm -hmm. would kind of be the consequences of pain, right? Yes. Um, so with this trauma, um, did you think it was normal? Like, did you as a kid just go, this is just yes. my everyday life? Yes, I actually thought this is what happens to, you know, between every little girl and oh my word, yeah. I won't specify, but and mm. men. And so it's not something that I necessarily talked about or anything that I felt I needed to flee from because I thought that it was completely normal. So um, I would go to school, I would, you know, have certain friendships, um, but it's, I, I didn't focus necessarily on my woundedness. Yeah. I just tried as a survivor to just plow through yeah. life. Yeah. As a survivor. And then, so since you were surviving then, did you see that kind of leak into other areas? Like when you got a job in relationships, whether that was like romantic or friendship? I would say probably where I first noticed that my trauma was affecting me was academically. I knew that I, it was easy for me to learn, but being in survival mode, I probably did not absorb and retain as much as I needed to in school like other kids did. It came easily to me, but I was impacted that way academically. And um, my friendships, all of my friendships were definitely affected. I know that it was um, because you don't want that little secret to get out, right? My family kept me close. So I did not have a lot of good friendships uh, to help mold and shape me or even just to have fun. I did not have yeah. all of that in my life because of what had happened or what was mm. happening to me. Um, and then definitely this impacted me um, moving forward when I met dad. Um, I had this insecurity oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and no moral compass whatsoever. Um, yeah. And I, I was afraid of men as yeah. well. So I wanted to make sure that I was in control of yeah. whatever relationship I was in so that I wouldn't get hurt again. Mm. Do you feel like when you got in the relationship with dad that he was sensitive to your needs? He was. He was tender, compassionate in it. And I will, I did end up telling him, this is why, you know, one of the things I looked to to say, I can definitely tell this is going to be the man, right? Yeah. Because I felt safe and he was a man of integrity. He was a man who, when he said something, he kept his word. But also when things didn't go his way, he was a gentle man and um, very nurturing and very protective. And I think that that is what helped me to let down my guard and realize that um, I could be with him, right? I could see myself marrying him prior, yeah. to, prior to that in my childhood. I remember telling my best friend at that time, she was a girl who lived next door to my grandma. Yeah. And so I would see her because of being at my grandma's. And I remember she asked me, hey, um, can you see yourself being married? What do you want to do when you get older? And I remember answering her, I want to break up marriages. What? Yeah. <laughs> How old are you when you said that? Oh, probably nine. Oh my word. Yes. Oh my word. Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's a rubble right there. Yes. A hurt. Yeah. It was hurt, right? Yeah. And hurt people hurt people. Yes, exactly. 
Hmm. It was my I love chaos. ultimate goal. Wow. Isn't that sad? So, okay. So we, I guess when with that philosophy, because okay. I'm assuming there was still a part of that that clung to you even when you met dad. Yes. Did you think at the back of your mind, like, oh, I can just ruin this marriage if it doesn't work out? Sure. That's called sabotage. I did, yeah. you know, I came to know that later. Yeah. But I actually always had my backup plan that wow. I would just leave whenever, yeah. you know, the going got, got tough. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had no intentions of staying with him um, because breaking a man's heart would actually have been, to, in my book at that time, a win. Oh, my word. Yes. yes. Wait, so when did that shift? When did you stop trying to sabotage and kind of, I don't want to say surrender, um, but just kind of settled, settle and go, okay, I'm safe, I'm loved, I'm not going to sabotage this relationship. Yeah. I probably, um, I, I remember significantly the, the change that took place with salvation. I remember about 10 Yeah, months. walk us through a little bit of okay. that story. About 10 months after we got married, um, and again, I was not devoted to my marriage, um, I couldn't even really see myself as staying long term. But then um, we had a cousin who invited us to church who uh, would teach us about the Lord, um, really presenting the gospel. Yeah. And um, we ended up going to church. And I felt like that pastor was reading my mail. Everything I thought that he said from the pulpit was he knew about me. The cousin had filled him in, told him personal stories. It just seemed like everything was specific to me. Um, and that was the day that both dad and I ended up surrendering our lives to the Lord. Wow, together. Yes. The That's so day. cool. I mean, yes. there's so many people I know that they're saved maybe or when they get saved and then their partner just has no desire. So that's – yes. That's awesome because then you guys can grow together and discover new things. Um, yes, and, and that's really what it was like, um, you know, because we were both starting out fresh and we were both uh, excited and zealous. And I remember my mother-in-law um, knowing where we were lacking in our marriage, just being older and wiser and more experienced, would listen to us, talk with us and say, huh, I think this book would be good for you right now. Or I think this would really speak to you right now. And so I cannot tell you how many marriage books we read just because of her recommendation. And they were spot on, spot on. And then I also um, started, both of us really just started getting to know some of the elders in our churches. And so I think it is just so critical to have older people that are ahead of you further along in life to be able to speak into your life. And so they would also offer me books. And so I think I can laugh saying that was the beginning of um, me starting the you know collection of books for our own library here at home. Well, I love the emphasis on um, surrounding yourself with people who are seasoned. I think sometimes our tendency is just to stick with maybe the people you grew up with, like in your grade. And then as you age out, you're, that's, those are just your peers, right? Um, I mean, I know that's something you've even taught me. My t my two closest friends, one's 60 years older and the other one's 15 years older than me. And they're my closest friends. And man, just the yes. amount of wisdom they can bring to the table yes. when they're not the same age as you and they've walked through situations they haven't. And then the resources, the books. Yes. And now I know where you got this from because when I was a kid, my mom would always give me uh, books. I'm like 10. I'm reading I'm reading Tozer and A.W. Pink, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But now I see, like, the influence that Grandma had on you, you passed down. 
to to me and it really influenced um and some of those things that i read they still stick with me right yeah um no kitty books for you yeah well i i did love theology i think there was a um, some early piety um i mean i remember even pre-adoption asking a next door neighbor like am i going to heaven or hell i think there was always a i don't know like a desire to know more like sure. i knew there was a god or something right yes. yeah couldn't put my finger on it because i was a kid but mm -hmm. um that's beautiful wow i love that so okay so now getting saved right okay. and you're 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 thriving in your marriage you're settled in um walk me through some of the things that you started to see like those walls of trauma kind of be torn down and then what was the process mm -hmm. of tearing them down okay um, I would probably say that significant, you know, I don't think we were necessarily soaring, um, you know, just like everybody, anybody does. We had difficulties in marriage hiccups um, and then um, just these breaking points, uh, probably uh, in particular when I started to realize, wow, I really need help. And that, was <laughs> it, you know, just being very open here, um, leaning into the trauma, it would be, um, you know, just sexual intimacy yeah. and dysfunction not on my husband's part, but on my part wow. and just that shutting down yeah. from fear, right. That would, that would always go back to, um, my childhood trauma and, um, robbing us of joy. Right. Yeah. That sweet gift, right? Yes. Yes. So I know we mentioned, we were talking about this before we started podcasting, um, that you had mentioned that part of the way you got this lasting healing was through something called theophostics. Correct. Um, can you share with our listeners what is theophostics and can you walk us through like what a session would look like? I would love to. Um, theophostics, uh, just by definition, theo, God, God-centered uh, counseling, theophostics. Um, and it, I would say that it's different than traditional counseling where you go in, in and you talk to a therapist and they affirm, they listen to everything that you say and they kind of repeat that back to you. Um, theophastics actually does not uh, focus on affirming the person that you're listening to. Really what they're listening for is lie-based beliefs. And um, I'll give you a literal example. I knew that I was struggling when I went to see the Gail, older Gail who helped me with theophastics. I knew that I was struggling with fear of some sort because when I would have to write, uh, whether it was to make a list or write a paper or even, you know, make out a check and sign my signature, um, which I know makes me laugh. I, remember, yeah, I don't think I've filled out a check in probably, oh my word, probably eight to 10 years. It ages me <laughs> to say that. But Vintage. When, yes. Well, ooh, that sounds so good. Thank you. I love that. Um, but signing that check, I would shake. And so I remember saying to my theophastics counselor, I think there's something here that's fear-based. And I explained what I was struggling with. And so at that point, once you start theophastics and you talk about the initial issue, they will ask you questions that will lead you down through a memory of something that happened. And you get through to a point to where you know that you have hit the root of that memory. And at that point, the, the person who facilitates the theophastics counseling is not going to talk to the person, would not talk to me, but rather pause and pray and invite the Lord Jesus to bring his truth, bring um, his healing. He's made me, he knows um, where I'm tripping up. 
he knows why I'm not walking in freedom uh, with regard to that specific issue. And so they will just pray. And I, at that point, have to listen for the Lord. What does he want me to know? And really what came out of that was um, when I was young, my mother, having been married to many men um, and having children by different men, she, she feared me being trapped in that same situation. And she would say to me as a little, as a little girl, Tam Al, you make sure that you get an education. You make sure that you can provide for yourself. You make sure that you never get under a man because you want to make certain that um, you can leave if you need to leave wow. and you can take care of yourself. That kind of goes back to your breakup marriages, right? Yes. It sounds like that was yes. kind of formed kind of through what your mom was saying. Very early on. And I know that she meant well. She also was very broken. Mm. Um, but that put a pressure on me as a little kid to think I need to perform. I need to do well academically so that I can go to college and I can have a high paying job. And that <clears throat> fear entered into that place. And it wasn't a matter of that woman um, just talking with me about the fear. It was about me hearing from the Lord and hearing his perspective, and that setting me free from all fear. Yeah. It's like setting the tone for how you live your life, right? Because what you believe kind of dictates how you live. Oh, for sure. And it gave me a new lens. It yeah. gave me the Lord's perspective to look through. And that was just, that changed my life. And I was able wow. at that point probably to say, um, I no longer feared men yeah. or mankind, yeah. but rather God alone. Yeah. With a godly fear. When you reach that point of, hey, I don't fear men anymore, did that shift your marriage? That's a good question. And did, God, did dad notice it? He did. And it's funny that you say that. Um, he remembers a time when suddenly the Lord became my love, you know, my magnificent obsession. Wait, I remember this. This would have been like maybe like 12-ish years ago, 13? It was actually 20 years ago. Okay. Wait, was there a different shift though? I feel like there was well, one I remember. That in that 20 years ago is when I became a person of prayer. Mm. And that was the first huge shift in my life. But then after that um, came a confidence where um, I didn't look to dad for everything. I didn't look for him to be my all in all. Not that I didn't love him because very much I loved him, but I loved the Lord first. Yeah, that's good. And um, that made dad realize or think rather that I was pulling away from him. And really I wasn't pulling away from him. I was just drawing closer to the Lord. And he tells other people, he says it this way, that he realized, oh my word, I'm losing my wife to the Lord. I better keep up. And it drove him. Mom's cheating on dad with God. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and how beautiful. <laughs> so he started diving into the word that he would know the living word. And he also started mm. becoming a man of prayer. Wow. So I love what a good shift. What a good. Thanks. Uh, I love that. I love that. And how many, I forget, how many years have you guys been married? Um, 30 don't laugh eight it's going to be no it will be 37 37 yes Whew. yeah <laughs> relationship goals yes um well kind of speaking of going down memory lane i just want to hear what was like the funniest or dumbest thing you did in the middle of your trauma oh <laughs> well um i laugh about this because who does this uh 
at 16, I thought, um, you know, experiencing trauma that I would do better just living on my own. And so I just, you know, packed up in the middle of the night and fled and um, on foot we fled on foot oh my word yeah no bike <laughs> no no car no. just on foot <laughs> yeah um i just needed to get out of dodge i knew that to survive and there and it felt like now looking back something was compelling me and i believe that that something was the lord and um so i ended up um getting my own apartment i i temporarily stayed with my grandma and i appreciate that she was willing to be in that hard place to let me be there um, and I ended up, um, finding an apartment, lying about my age, you know, I wasn't saved. So it, that was acceptable. Um, and then I enrolled myself in school because I needed a couple classes to graduate. And I remember they, they wouldn't let me do that. I wasn't emancipated. And so they had said, sorry, you know, you can't do that. And so I ended up dropping out of my senior year or just before my senior year, I dropped out of school. But then I had also thought ahead enough to have my transcripts transferred. And when they got my transcripts, the vice principal called me and said, you are a 4.0 student. We did not realize that. If you would like to come and finish your classes here and graduate, we'll let you do that. Um, and you can just act as though you're emancipated. I was so grateful because it allowed me to finish high school. And at the same time, then I got a job, I walked to work, had my own apartment and started paying my own bills. So I would say probably that was this, it was. Thinking you could just hop in yes, this class at 16. Yes, yes. Well, it's crazy because you said, um, you know, you lied about your age. I feel like you would not be able to do that today. Oh, it, there's no way. Yeah, and you, you just, no people were more mature back then, but also I feel like hearing, this part of your story it's so obvious to me that the holy spirit was really guiding you yeah. because there's there's no way a 16 year old would have been able oh yeah i thought i had to get my transcript sent <laughs> yes. i wouldn't have even thought that and i'm yes. gonna be 26 that i just no that that's crazy and i love how even before you were saved god still said you're mine you're gonna be mine it's okay yes. and i'm gonna walk you through and i'm gonna save you from this yeah. tumultuous um time of your life yes um and go ahead of you i love how i see that too i see that his hand was on my life and yeah. it just now seems miraculous there was there was no way i could have done that on my own i know for certain that it was the lord i love that and it was his way of rescuing me i love that <laughs> now that we hear a little bit of your childhood i kind of want to go back down memory lane for a little bit of mine because okay. i feel like you probably have a lot of juicy stories of my own Chamber childhood. Um, let's see. So I think this past March was 18 years yes. since I've been adopted. It was yes. what, March, what is it, 11th? Or I was thinking it was 14th. 14th. You're right. It's the 14th. It's March 14th, 2005. You're right. And, um, oh, my word. I, it's so crazy. I even hear myself say that out loud. 18 years. That's. Yes. Oh, time flies by. It does. Um, what was the first thing you saw when you saw me? Like when I was brought here or even when you saw my picture, like before I came to the house, what, what did you think? Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on when I first saw you. Okay. Uh, you were a bundle of energy, but it was a positive energy, a, a bundle of joy. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I was stunned by 
just how exuberant you were, how innocent, um, how positive, right? You you came in with this little opera voice singing. Oh my! I was obnoxious. I was obnoxious. Oh, you were you were adorable, (sighs) and I just remember remember thinking that girl has a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. that voice. And um, so that is, I remember that. And I just remember that you were so incredibly beautiful, mm-hmm. just uninhibited, just uh, a little beautiful butterfly. That's how I remember you. <laughs> oh my word. You know, it's funny because as you say that, I remember using that energy as a coping mechanism. So like, yes, I had energy and I still am an energetic person I'm like Correct. 91% extrovert yeah um, for sure but as a kid um I used that kind of like you had your surviving yes. coping mechanism yes. that was mine mm-hmm. to just you know kind of wash my hands of the situation I was going through right. and the trauma and go I have to keep surviving right um but also because I have two younger siblings I felt even super young being removed at five years old kind of like a motherly role which I know was dysfunctional at the time but kind of stepping into like I gotta I gotta be like the matriarchal like person that's gonna be up be and make sure it's okay life is okay we're good people don't want to get rid of children that are fun fun loving and the life of the party and just always that perma smile on their face and and it was just really a statement of Love me, love me. I want to make sure yes. you love me. I was so attention thirsty. And and yet I can see now, um, fast forwarding, that really is a gift of the Lord in you, Shamber. Because you walk in a room and you just light it up. And and it is, you know, you're always purposeful in your eye contact. You're always searching to see who is that person that maybe you could connect with and that you could, you know, impact or change their life for the good. So even though it was a survival instinct when you were young, it has become a gifting of the Lord. And so it's still there, but not in a broken way. Mm, praise God. That's kind of like, yeah. um, you know, beauty from ashes, right? Yes. Turn yeah. it full circle. Yes. Turn it around. Yeah, that's right. Um, what's something I kind of want to go through just, just very lightly um, I guess the state I was in when I first came here, yes, I had the energy, but also can you just like walk through maybe some of like, I guess the hurt and the trauma aftermath um, of you bringing me to the home and what you kind of saw and how you helped me overcome those things? Um, I, I, I think probably the first thing that I realized was that your instinct was to try to wax perfect, you know? Um, where you would be the bestest and the mostest of everything, the mostest encouraging and the mostest in, you know, enjoyable and the biggest and bestest helper of everything. And of course, I recognize that from my own trauma past um, that you were trying to fit in and you were also wanting to make sure that I was going to be your mama. Mm, and so yeah. I think from the very beginning, the uh, one thing that really stood out to me uh, was that you were mama shopping, right? Having That's a good lost... way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that would be anyone's instinct, um, having been adopted and being, you know, taken away from their birth mom is that they are going to, you know, they're they're always in that imaginative, fanciful kind of way going, wait, is this my mama? Or wait, oh, are you going to be my mama? And so I think that's probably what was uh, most noticeable. Um, how did you come up out of that? A, a way that we helped you was um, probably 
just prayer. Um, I remember yeah, being, I did some theophostics too. Yes, yes, for certain you did. And um, but teaching you the word of God so that you knew who you were in Christ Jesus and being very prayerful, not only when, you know, me praying alone by myself, but me praying over you and with you that God would open your voice. Just knowing that you were a little songbird, I knew that the enemy was going after your voice to shut you down, oh, yeah. to shut you up. And to disqualify you. And so, so many years spent praying with you and for you and training you to pray so that that voice would be set free. That's so interesting because I would say now as an adult who is settled and has come a long way healing wise, that's probably my number one thing. I still struggle where I have to go, wait a second. I feel insecure or I feel unqualified. Like, oh, you're just a little adopted girl, you know, that has a story Mm -hmm. not put together. And yeah, Yeah. that's still a constant thing. Okay, wait a second. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, half the people in the Bible came from nothing, right? So it's that reminding of, okay, I am beautifully and wonderfully made. Yes. And in the enemy is an opportunist. Oh, yeah. And the fact that you have a voice, not only are you a good speaker, um, that is something that I've, you know, when I grow up, Shambra, I want to be like you. Oh, gosh. I want to be able to speak in front of hundreds and thousands. Ooh, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but the enemy is still after your voice. So that makes sense when you say that. You still have that target on you. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it just makes you have to uh, be you know, cling to the Lord, right. right? To be able to walk in your freedom. Right. You always know when you, something doesn't feel right. Cause I, I mean, now being married, I'll, you know, you get a little short tempered. Wait a second. Okay. I gotta go spend some time with Jesus. Cause I'm getting a little, little sharp or I'm feeling a little insecure and I don't really want to do ministry right now. Yeah. You gotta bring it back. I need some Jesus time. Then you come out. Okay. I'm ready to go. Yeah. It's like, I'm ready for battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've had some good times together. We have. Honestly, I... You are my favorite travel partner. Oh, my word. We... Okay, guys. We have had some really fun adventures. We... I don't know how many trips we've gone on through the years, but I feel like mom is always saying stuff like, oh, I want to do this last minute trip in four weeks. Yeah, let's do it. And... I don't know what it is. Mama's the only person I have traveled with where I feel like everything that could go wrong goes wrong, but we just roll up the punches and we see it like as an opportunity of, oh, we had to get stuck here so we can minister to so-and-so, or that was a detour so we can avoid an accident and try out this delicious coffee shop. There's always a reason why the trip goes wrong, but it works out good. Yeah. Um, and you're always so willing to just, you know, spur the moment travel. And I love that about you that um, you don't really want to miss out on those good, mopper, you know, opportunities, mom and dog. I need it all. <laughs> I remember this one trip that we took to Hilton Head Island, um, just to be adventurous, just you and I and go exploring. And you're so adventurous, everybody. I, I hope you'll laugh about this. Um, we ended up checking out of our condo early at Hilton Head Island because Shamber did some research and found a teepee for rent. <laughs> yes. I don't remember where it was. If it was I think it was Tennessee. Tennessee. That was like kind of the halfway point between okay. Hilton Head Island and Michigan. And she wanted to have this experience of sleeping in a teepee in the middle of a field. Of and course. It, of and course. It just happened to be Wait, why did I want to do that, though? Give some context. Okay, because, uh, well, two things. One, your early childhood, you had always said that you wanted to sleep in the woods and you wanted to be an Indian and you wanted to live in a teepee. Absolutely. So that was part of it. 
Yeah. I mean, doesn't every kid say that? <laughs> so it was a beautiful big teepee that was turned into an Airbnb. And I think that it was a a previous horse farm that Reba McIntyre had owned. And the people who bought it turned it into the horse stalls and they put, you know, they turned it into an Airbnb. It was pretty out. cool. In, oh. pic in pictures, we were both excited about it. Let's we be were, honest. We left it was cool. island for this place. <laughs> Except when we arrived, this teepee was filled with... <laughs> mouse poop and spiders and soaking wet because it had rained all the night before so we got there out wasn't it like midnight that it we was, arrived yeah and we're, like, we're exhausted right because yeah. we've been driving like seven eight hours and it's just no there's no way we can sleep here and i think you even said well we can kind of make this work but like half of the cots were just soaked <laughs> we had it, to sleep in the this one twin bed um together because it's the only bed that. that was dry and not covered with mouse poop yeah so we ended up i think we just said we're just gonna drive all the way through yeah and we you hit this song list this playlist and oh, yeah, michael jackson yeah. i remember that yeah we just sang and we you know danced while we were driving through the middle of the night instead of sleeping so but you are such an adventurous person you make life fun <laughs> uh, I mean, no, no, it's uh, I, there I, I just love when you, you can practice presence in a way that you can make anything enjoyable yes. or beautiful sure. by just taking the time to kind of pause what you're doing well, i'm gonna yes. really fully enjoy this moment yes um i think my favorite well, one of my favorite, because there's way too many good traveling <laughs> stories, um, is the time that we went to San Francisco. And, um, oh my word, so if you've ever been downtown San Francisco, it's, well, one, it's gorgeous. Like, all the buildings are pastel, it's just, you see the, the coast, it's beautiful. But one thing that they don't tell you is how steep those roads are, the hills. Oh, They're awful. Oh. And I remember mom's driving. And I pull out my phone, I'm thinking, okay, we're at the top of this road, about ready to go down this huge steep hill. I'm going to take a picture, take a video. And my mom reaches over for her phone. She's like, not looking at the road and says, like, oh, she's so excited about capturing this moment. And I'm just soaring down the hill. Who knows how fast we're going? I'm thinking, we're going to die. We're going to just crash right into the ocean. This is it. And so I was really scared. I still have it on video. It's a good memory, though. It's yeah. stuck. Maybe there's some fear, but probably some theophostics again oh, yeah, maybe you <laughs> to need, work through yeah, that. Yeah, you need, you need inner healing now. You're traveling around. So we are coming to a close with our talk today. I, I have a couple questions I kind of want to close with. Okay. What would you say for our listeners, kind of in light of your story and theophostics and how prevalent that was in your life, what are a couple like books or podcasts you would recommend? Oh, I love the Dan Allender Center podcast. Just everything that he and the other therapists put out there is just top notch. And um, he himself understands trauma. His own story is a sad story. So not only is he experiential, but he is wise and he just makes it so practical. I love Dan Allender. Um, one of his books that I really enjoyed was called The Wounded Heart. There's a book that you read and a, a manual that you can go through. And that's something that my honey and I did together. And that was really eye-opening for him as the person who's married to me, who has had a lot of sexual trauma. I think it was very insightful for him and it was helpful for me. 
Um, I would say another good, excellent read would be uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Such a good book. Yes, <laughs> yes, by Dr. Vander Kolk. Um, you know, sometimes we don't understand what trauma we've gone through. But if we just learn to listen to our bodies, then we will know that there is something that is going on underneath, perhaps even something that we was so traumatic, we've repressed it. Mm. And so that book, I think, is an excellent resource. Um, I benefited from Deep Wounds, Deep Healing by Charles Kraft. Um, in this, he talks about, you know, why do some wounds fester and refuse to heal? That book was very good because it walks you through theophastics. And it's not, it, it is good. And I think everybody needs a facilitator, but there are some times when we can learn theophastics and apply it to ourselves. And so that book helps you do that deep wounds, deep healing. And then I would say probably Primal Wound by Nancy Verrier. Such a good one, too. Oh, that's yes. where this woman is an adoptive mother and a therapist and she has written a couple books and that one i remember reading to you know probably six of you yeah a few kids. of us yeah. yeah and working through a chapter at a time and just the tears the tears oh. well because oh my word i felt like it was more she wrote that book almost to be beneficial for like a mom standpoint or the biological mom and the wounds but it it was definitely twofold for adoptee because you're sitting there going, oh my word, that's why I feel the way I yes. do. Or that's why, you know, I struggle with thinking no one else understands me or I'm yes. all alone. And it ties back to, I mean, that trauma, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> and it, I think for all of you, it, you know, you felt like, um, you know, you could never put into words exactly what you felt. Right. But this author was literally just, you know, having read your mail was oh, yeah. right out in black and white. And so that was one of the best resources um, for me as an adoptive mom. And I think that anybody who has any trauma in their background would, would um, benefit from that. Ah, such good resources. I will be sure to write out those sources in the description so you guys can get your books and read them up because they're good sources. Uh, Mom, what would you say is a good like final statement or one-liner you want to leave with the listeners to close out the podcast? I would say that um, when you are pursuing your healing, um, it's not overnight. It is something that, you know, you have to be very patient with yourself. And this is my belief. And it was an older woman who said this to me, you know, um, life is messy. And when we have gone through trauma, we are messy people. Don't worry about your mess. When the Lord is ready to bring healing, he will put his finger on those areas that need, that he wants to deal with. And that will be the perfect time. So I just want to encourage you when God is ready. He will bring you to the point of putting his finger on those little sore spots and he will deal with them. Um, practice studying the word of God. Practice prayer. And I think just don't worry about being messy. We're all messy. Ooh, it's so good, especially because of what this podcast is called, Leaning Into Trauma. I think that just really is such a good way to end this podcast. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, Mom. I love your story. I love just 
yeah, the progress and what God has done and what he continues to do. And I really think it's going to help others. I hope if you listen to this podcast that you're inspired, you're encouraged, and be sure to check out those sources. Um, thanks so much for listening to the first podcast ever. Stay tuned for more. Um, again, my name is Shamber, and it's been a real pleasure just spending this time. Uh, be sure to file um, so you can just like stay up to date and um, get notified of future episodes. And just remember, friends, all of you is welcome here.